welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin. I'm joined from Salt Lake City by my Thunder Buddy, Joe Masato. Joe, what's going on? Not much, Michael. Back in Salt Lake City, my second home. I love Salt Lake City. Here for All-Star, here for several Thunder Jazz games, and now here for Salt Lake Summer League. My first time at Salt Lake Summer League. I'm very excited. The Thunder has a game tonight. I'm going to see Chet Holmgren play basketball, presumably. So, exciting times. Yeah, I'm seeing it all over Twitter. People very excited. Um, Happy Chet Holmgren Day to those who celebrate with something that's going around a lot. I think Thunder fans are very excited, but something that was very surprising this week was um, Vasily Micic signed with the Oklahoma City Thunder. What was your first uh, initial reaction when you heard the news? My initial reaction was legitimate surprise. Um, I, I was I was wrong uh, on Micic. I thought the most likely thing to happen, um, you know, once he visited Oklahoma City, you know, it became more clear that okay, like this is this could be a real thing that he actually wants to make the leap to the NBA. I thought the most likely scenario was that he would be traded, uh, probably traded on draft night. I did not think he was going to play for the Thunder. Um, I can't wait to talk to him and ask him about kind of his thought process and and the why now of it, which we'll get into. Um, but I was I was surprised. I mean, they they agreed to that deal. Uh, very friendly number. I I mean, I don't know friendly because who knows what Micic is ultimately going to be in the NBA, but a very low risk signing for the Thunder for Micic. It's finally his his chance to kind of make a name for himself in the NBA after being one of the best players in Europe. Um, I'm fascinated by the whole situation. I was definitely surprised, too. If you just laid out the betting odds, I think number one would be that he would probably just return to Europe. Number two would be that the Thunder would end up trading his rights or trading him. And then way down at the bottom would be him signing with the Thunder and intending on playing with them. But that looks like um, what's probably going to happen, right? Yeah, from every indication I've heard, uh, the plan is for Mitchell to play with the Thunder. Uh, it's not to to trade him before the season. I mean, uh, you know, just looking at it, if he was going to be traded, it would have been easier to do um, during the draft or or before signing him. You would just trade his rights, and then he would agree to a deal with whatever team you traded his rights to. Um, it's not like you're going to sign him and then trade his rights. Sure, it's possible. Um, I have not heard that that's a likely scenario. I I think he's going to be in training camp, and I think it's going to suit up for the Thunder, and we'll see how it goes. How does he fit on this team just from a basketball perspective? Because we're bringing a guy over who's been EuroLeague MVP, Turkish League MVP champion. Got to be a different um, vibe bringing in a guy with that sort of pedigree, even if it's not at the NBA level, onto a young team like this. Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole thing that surprises me. Um, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense from a timeline perspective. Micic is 29. He turns 30 in January. Um, there's not a ton of precedent for uh, European players or international players coming over at a later age and really being hits. Um, and I thought, you know, with this is Shea's team, they've got young guards in Giddy and J-Dub and now case and wallace and uh the list goes on and on and now you're bringing micic kind of an established player who in the past has had quotes well uh, not from him more so from his agent saying that he wanted a big role he didn't want to just be another guy um but on this Thunder team 
He's not going to start. I don't think he's going to have. I mean, maybe he's maybe he'll be like their sixth man. I, I would assume him and Kaysen Wallace are going to be the primary two guards off the bench. Um, but clearly something changed in his sort of mindset or his posturing to where, you know, he, he accepted this role. Yeah, I think that him and a case on off the bench will be really good just as uh, you have um big age discrepancy between the two 30 and then 19 on these guys. Um, it is uh, different with him coming over in the midst of his prime, but I also just wanted to know, uh, I, I think that he also will be probably the backup point guard, but he can play on or off the ball, probably guard at most one through three. But one of my more interesting yeah. thoughts about this is, um, or just questions is, how does um, it affect Mark as a coach? Because this is one of the more, this is the highest pedigree guy he's kind of had on the roster outside of Al Horford. Yeah, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about it in, in that way. I mean, I would say that, you know, with what Shay did last year, like he's uh, he's now coaching a superstar player. And I think the reality of the situation is like Michich around here. We've talked about him for so long because it's been an ongoing conversation for several summers now. Um, but at the NBA at large, I don't think he's going to be seen as like a prominent player or like a key piece to this team. I think we are hyper aware of him while the rest of the NBA, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy was really good player in Europe. I wonder what he does in Oklahoma City. Um, but we've been talking about him for so long. So I think we might have outsized expectations of what he might be. Um, so I don't think he's going to, you know, kind of throw a wrench in like the chemistry or Mark's going to have to adapt to him. Um, honestly, if it doesn't work out, they could move off it pretty quickly, just given his contract situation. Um, but I think he's going to have to make more concessions than than the team makes, certainly. Yeah. And it's not like he doesn't know what he's signing up for. But I do have some questions about, you know, everybody's happy when you're winning. But how is he mm -hmm. going to feel mm -hmm. if the Thunder get off to a slow start and he's still the sixth man and he's watching these younger guys maybe J-Dub hits a sophomore wall to come into the next season. Knock on wood, we don't want, don't want that to happen. But like, how does he handle certain situations like that? Because, you know, these guys all have pride and ego and being a guy who was an MVP in a different league has definitely got to change things. And as far as what you mentioned with Shea, that's a good point. But I just would talk about the the build uh, built up equity between Shea and Mark over the years, whereas um, Michich is kind of the first guy to come in with a reputation and a... Um, resume already built and less of a unknown well i mean he's more of a known commodity but not that much i guess yeah i mean more of a known commodity in europe certainly and now uh second serbian on the roster joining yep. alexi pokashevsky so poku is all happy to have his fellow countrymen um here with the thunder but yeah it's it's a uh, i know he's a he's aged out of this but I wish he was here in summer league just to talk to him. And um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to interview him until training camp rolls around. Hopefully it's before then. But I, my biggest question is like, why now? Why? I guess it's a, it's a question for both parties, both the thunder and Michich. Why did Michich want to co come over now? And why was the thunder wanting to sign him now? Um, because the timing question is one. I cannot really, answer but um i don't know you have any thoughts on 
that or have you like watched Michic or like what, what what do you think about his game? I've gone through a bunch of highlights and he just he looks like um, a six man who can pass, shoot and dribble, who's going to be just. OK, defensively at best, but he can play on or off the yeah. ball. I don't know. I um, he's was, got some size six five. Yeah, no. So he's not going to be somebody who gets played off the floor. And he um, he has a lot of that connective basketball stuff that like we see with Josh where it's like, oh, that's like a really heads up play like the hockey assist stuff. So I think he can play mm-hmm. without the ball and um, thrive next to some of those guys. But I was really um, surprised because of the timing, too. But then I thought about this because, as we know, Sam is very um, concerted a lot of uh, his efforts with this team. And I don't think he would bring on somebody like Michich like this randomly if he's not going to be happy on the team or he's not going to be a good culture fit or he's not going to be a good influence in the locker room. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, now, who knows how that's actually going to work out when he's here. Yeah. Michich is a lot better player and more high-profile player than Gabby Deck, but you just heard some things around Deck's camp that he didn't exactly love his time in Oklahoma City, and he came in and, I mean, listen, the, the Thunder is eon smarter than I am, but like you could tell right away that uh, I don't know if this guy can yeah. actually play like what is what's he really doing had like a really old school game he's like a guard posting people up um and it just it was it was a flop it didn't work out um now me just like I said is a is a better player but there's there's always some risk in this kind of move absolutely um which guys are you most excited to see him play with on the roster because I think for him, he's not like a guy like I just talked about who um, just needs to massage the ball and dribble it over and over. I think he can play with a lot of these guys just being in that European style where you play with a lot of ball movement. Which guys are you most excited to see uh, Michic share the floor with? Well, Poku, of course, the two-man game between Michic and Poku. But um, my more real answer is kind of an obvious one. It's just Shea and Josh. Like, I want to see... You know, whether it's all three of them out there together or when Michich is out there with one of those two guys, and you could even throw J Dub into this. I just want to see how he plays with one or multiple other guards on the floor to see what his comfort level is, kind of being a cog in a system rather than the focal point um of an offense, because you know, his his role is going to be different. Um the good news is he was a really good three-point shooter. Uh, especially so against lesser competition in the Turkish league, but even in the Euro league against um, the best teams in Europe, he was still around 37%. So if you can shoot like, like that, that that's going to naturally let you play, uh, be more comfortable off the ball. So um, yeah, I just want to see what he's, what he looks like uh, out there with the other guards. I mean, the Thunder are going to throw a ton of three and four guard lineups out there and you know, Michich with, with his size, like he can play multiple positions. Um, I'm with you. I want to see what he looks like when he shares the floor with two of Shea, Jadab and Giddy. I think that the fit mm-hmm. is much easier if it's just one of those guys and him on the floor. But whenever he's a distinctive third to fourth option ball handling or handling the ball, I think that's going to be really interesting to see just how he adapts. Like you mentioned, he can play off the ball and he can shoot. He shot really well. Um, last year from three, his shot, um, corner, uh, kind of like, um, 
a set shot, not a lot of bounce on it, but he can make it from distance. And as long as it goes in, I don't really care. But yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see what he looks like just as a very obviously tertiary option next to those guys on the floor. Yeah, and especially when you throw Kaysan Wallace into the mix. I mean, what a what a weird pairing, unexpected pairing that would have been a few weeks ago pre-draft and pre-Michich signing. But yeah, I'm looking forward to those seeing those guys. And then the last thing on Michich and uh, that I'm also looking forward to the um, um, babysitting lineups of him and Kenrich with like three 19-year-olds. Well, see, we need um, we need Oladipo to be out there, who is wait now. So this off season, Thunder's been all about veteran additions. Now, who knows if any of them actually are going to show up and play for the team? But Patty Mills, I think he's thirty four. Uh, Victor Oladipo's thirty one, and Mitchich is twenty nine. So all of a sudden, I think Kenrich is the fourth oldest player on the team. Um, so yeah, we'll see how he handles that. Not being the old guy in the locker room. Not so much anymore. All right. Well, let's get to uh, Victor Oladipo. He was traded back to the Oklahoma city thunder. Looks like for, um, a couple second round picks. Why, in your opinion, did the thunder do this? Well, it was a salary dump for the heat and the thunder had the space to, to bring in Oladipo and to absorb his contract and in return to get some draft compensation. Um, the Thunder did not make this move because they want Victor Oladipo to be a key piece of their team. However, um, I could see several situations with this, and I, I have no intel yet on Oladipo's situation. I could see this kind of being like a Trevor Reza type thing where like he's technically on the roster, but you know, he's rehabbing from injury. I mean, he's he's barely played over the last several seasons and just suffered another injury in the first round of the playoffs. So I don't know what his timeline is, but I could see a situation where it's like, if you want to stick around in Miami, rehab with your team, still on the roster, but not really here. I could see that happening. I could see, because I've heard nothing but great things about Oladipo and um, his time here, if you know, he wants to work out in Oklahoma City and, you know, be taken care of by the Thunder medical staff. I could see that happening. Um, I guess four options. Third option, I could see him being traded again um, as as part of a, a larger deal, just because that money, that expiring contract is going to be, um, you know, not not exactly difficult to move. Is it is it nine and a half million? Am I, uh, yes. am I right on that? Um, yes. Yeah. 9.45. So, and then the fourth option is, um, they waive him. So none of the options I think are him playing like a actual role on, on this team on the court. Um, but again, it's like, those are all, those are all in the background. Like the main reason the thunder did this was to, to add a couple more draft picks. Yeah, he's a way away from playing just off that injury. But I agree with you. It's more about the draft picks. People always talk about the Thunder. You know, we're all ready in a roster crunch and you can't keep adding these guys. And what's the value of second round picks? But I like that they're continuing to gain more assets and kick the can down the road for whenever they need to move these second round picks for a role player or for a little bit of a boost um, just in their rotation later when they are competing, hopefully. But I, I think that's interesting. And as yeah, far as look, look back at. 
sorry. No, sorry, you're good. Michael. No. Uh, just look back at what what happened at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It was like the it was like the deadline of second round picks. I mean, we saw like teams move like five and six second rounders to get like a rotational player who could maybe help you in the playoffs. So the Thunder could move six second rounders to get you know the an eighth man if if they want to two years from now when they're contending. So that's why you keep adding these assets. Yeah, and it's not like that second round guy is likely to contribute if you draft him in 2029, but there's always going to be teams rebuilding. There's always going to be teams that need help and are in salary hell or whatever who need second round picks. So those are always going to be valuable. And then um, as far as Oladipo, I'm not expecting him to play either. The Thunder are in a nice position where they don't have to cut the roster from 20 down to 15 until like they get done with training camp. But Oladipo, yeah. I'm not even thinking about him playing, but I do think that he would have an interesting perspective as a vet in the locker room, even if you only keep him around for this summer as a guy who's been on really good teams, really bad teams. He was just on a team that went to the finals. He was um, a guy who people thought may have been a bust out of Orlando before traded to the Thunder. And then he turns his career around, becomes an all star and all NBA player um, caliber in Indiana. So. I think it's interesting. The Thunder do have their vets and guys like Kenrich on the roster, but I think it adds another dimension to have vets who have accomplished a lot on an individual or team level. Yeah. On a personal note, it just sucks what what's happened yeah. to Oladipo's career because two-time All-Star in Indiana from 2017 to 19, he only plays in 36 games uh, in the 18-19 season. And then 19 games, 42 games, 20 games. Last year he played 42, which is the most he um, had played in several seasons. So, I mean, he just has not been completely healthy since the 2017-18 season, his first season in Indiana after being traded away from the Thunder. Yeah, just unfortunate, but um, a good guy nonetheless, who um, I think Woj even included his t- in his tweet about the trade that um, Hyler regarded in Oklahoma City. Yes. All right. Well, regarded. Let's, well, let's get to. I, I don't know that I'm highly regarded anywhere. Is there lowly regarded or just regarded? Is there like a whole matrix to it, or are you only <laughs> highly regarded or nothing? I like. I, I like the idea of saying someone is regarded. That that's like uh, acknowledging their presence, like known, like oh, this man on the street I just passed. I regard him. Yeah, I like I would say certain people are overwhelmed, underwhelmed. I think that you're whelmed most of the time, especially with the some of the jokes that I have here. Yeah, um, I, I would say that also, um, you know, just a, a peek behind the curtain, Michael, my hotel Wi-Fi is not great. So I hope on the listening end, everyone, I hope this, this is going great. But um, sorry if I'm talking over you. It's nothing personal. It's all technological coming around crisp and clear. But let's get to Patty Mills. Four-team trade, the Rockets get Dylan Brooks in the sign-in trade. The Hawks get Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington Jr. The Grizzlies get Josh Christopher, and the Thunder get Patty Mills, who was traded earlier from the Nets to the Rockets. The Thunder take on Mills' $6.8 million expiring um, contract and add uh, quote-unquote draft compensation, according to Woj. That has not been revealed yet, unless I missed it. Uh, same here. I have not seen it, unless I have missed it. In which case, I still have not seen it. Uh, same situation as Oladipo, right? Yeah. little less money on the deal, but it's taking on an aging vet, a contract the team wanted to get off of, 
and the Thunder says, okay, we can do this. Um, I guess just because of a health situation, Mills would be more likely to play, but man, I, I find it a, a, a extreme long shot though, that he makes the roster just because, uh, um, another guard, you don't want to play him any of the ahead of any of the aforementioned guards. He's also, I think he's 34. Should have pulled this up. Um, He's old. Let's just say that. And he is declining. I mean, was a really good player for 10 years in San Antonio. He's entering his 15th year in the NBA. He is 34 years old, soon to turn 35. So, um, yeah, last year he played 40 games for the net, for the Nets, which uh, were the fewest games he had played since 2011-2012. And that was 13. No, gosh, I'm terrible at math. That was 11 years ago. Um, his minutes, uh, played fewer than 20 minutes per game, um, for the first time in a decade. So not a guy that's going to help the thunder. However, if the thunder wants to keep him around, it might be nothing more than a marketing ploy, um, to the nation of Australia, because as of now, and we'll get to Mr. Jack white, not that, that one, um, the thunder has three Australians on its roster and Josh Giddy, Patty Mills. And Jack White, Patty Mills, Josh Giddy is very popular in Australia. I've talked to a lot of Australians about their basketball popularity rankings. Yeah, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but it's it's the truth. Patty Mills is the most popular Australian basketball player. Um, he has been a star for them on their national team. Josh Giddy is yet to play for the senior national team, and they uh, take a lot of pride in that. So that's why Pat- Patty Mills is so revered. Uh, in Australia, I'm sure Josh Giddy is going to pass them and in, in pass him in said rankings soon enough. Ben Simmons very low on the list these days, but um, yeah, the Aussies are fired up, man. I don't know if Jack White's going to make the roster. I don't know if Patty Mills is going to make the roster. I do know that Josh Giddy is going to make the roster, but as of now, they've got three Aussies on the team. Uh, Thunder from down under, as they say, uh, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. We have three pipelines to the Thunder. You can either come through Canada, Australia, or Arkansas. That's it. And now two Serbians. So yeah. Maybe that's a fourth. That's or if your name's Jalen. Yeah. Or if your name is Jalen Williams. There's just four or five options here. But Patty Mil- uh, Mills, I'm also expecting a buyout or him to be added to a trade later. I'll add one more positive that you didn't get to that I'd like to see. Just um, chain him and Trey Mann together for the summer and just have Patty Mills just show him everything. It's like, this is what you're supposed to do, because in a lot of ways, Patty Mills is the actualized version of what uh, Trey Mann would probably look on a playoff roster, right? Yeah, and I would say that, like, Trey Mann is just naturally... I think more athletic, mm-hmm. he's taller, it's got more physical tools, but yeah, you would want him to have Patty Mills's mindset, uh his clutch shot making. I mean, Patty Mills is a career 39% three-point shooter. Um that is that is elite, uh played a key role on on those really good Spurs teams, so um yeah, ultimate team guy, so yes, Trey Mann and uh quite a few Thunder players could learn from from Patty Mills, but they've got strong veteran leaders on this team. I don't expect Patty Mills to to be on the roster um, for too long, but hey, you never know. Uh, basketball reference nicknames. 
patty cakes. That's what I usually call them. And pat stacks. Yeah, I at some point someone needs to go through all these nicknames and just ask the players if they've ever been called that before. And that is our final reference of no, that is not on there. Um, I mean, I was looking up stuff and Hassan Whiteside on um, basketball reference nickname was Count Blockula. Uh, I would ask why you were looking up Hassan Whiteside, but I know exactly why you were looking up Hassan Whiteside. I live a and sad, we will get to that. I live a sad life. I was watching Boris, Boris Diaw highlights this morning. This is just what I do, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I, I do wonder with wow. the Thunder how soon they cut bait with Oladipo and Mills. They don't necessarily need to do it anytime soon, like we mentioned with training camp and the 20 uh, roster spots. But also, I don't think a lot of teams are necessarily clamoring for Victor Oladipo and Patty Mills right now. Oladipo is going to sit out most of, if not all of next year. And Patty Mills was just salary dump for the second time uh, in a trade in a week. So who knows what those guys, but I think that keeping them around for the summer, at least just to give a different perspective and a veteran voice, like the Thunder do have good veterans, like you mentioned with Kenrich, but just having them over the summer, I don't think it hurt anything. Yeah. And for all I know, they they might not even report to Oklahoma City and, and be around, but there's there's no need to get rid of them. I mean, if you eventually have to to waive them or do something less palatable, you wait as long as you can before doing that. Um, but sorry, I uh, got distracted by uh, notifications. Uh, Anthony Edwards signs a max in in Minnesota, but um, like on a potential Lillard trade or Harden trade, maybe the Thunder could be a third or fourth team just to kind of help um, make the numbers work, uh, you know, putting big salaries together, stuff like that. I, I think that's why you keep them around. I'm going to clip this out of context and put Joe Masato of the Oklahoma and thinks the Thunder should trade for Damian Lillard. Yeah. I wonder if <laughs> all they would have to add is Patty Mills, Oladipo, uh, Bertans, maybe, maybe a couple, <laughs> maybe Bertans, maybe a couple seconds. Yeah, and then Poku's the, I don't know if the Thunder would give him up, Poku as the headliner of the trade. Yeah, Poku would rival Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson as the future of the Blazers. Yeah. I would love to see that Poku walks in. He's like, listen up, you guys don't know how to win. <laughs> just just follow me. I've got it. Don't worry. But um, oh, the Poku. Thunder added Victor Oladipo and Patty Mills. They did lose a guy uh, or decline a team option in... um. That wasn't a team option. I think they just flat out released him, but that was Lindy Waters. What was your initial reaction to that? It it was actually a team option. Okay. So yeah, the, I mean it's it, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean he had a team option for this year. The Thunder decided not to pick that up. So Lindy Waters uh, is a free agent. Um, hopefully he can get a chance elsewhere. If not. There's going to be many opportunities, whether that is home or abroad. Like I could see a situation in which he's back in Oklahoma City and playing for the blue or something, something like that, or or going to Europe and getting a, a bigger paycheck. But hopefully it's in the NBA. Uh was sad to see Lindy go. Seems like a, a really good guy. Um and just from a story perspective, I like stories. Uh he had one of the best ones on the on the team. I I mean uh uh guy who grows up in norman plays at osu um you know 
native culture obviously is, is so significant in Oklahoma City and he's he's uh, Cherokee in Kiowa and that was that was really cool and just kind of added a, another uh, element to to his story and um for all of those reasons he he was just a remarkable story i mean a guy that was playing in the tbl for the enid outlaws and i watched him at osu for four years never once thought he was an nba player and he joins the blue as an end of the bench guy and then he starts for the blue and then he signs a two-way contract with the thunder and then he gets promoted to a standard deal so just really a, a super unlikely rise yeah really cool story for lindy with how hard he worked to get here i definitely would have uh so I played against Lindy in high school and middle school. I can say right now of all the guys on the team, he would not have been my first pick of the guys who I thought would have made the NBA later on. But <laughs> he, he worked his tail off and hopefully he gets picked up by somebody else um, on a summer league roster. But yeah, I think this is just the minutes crunch that uh, and roster crunch that got to the Thunder. And then um, I think they kind of just figured out what they had as a commodity. So, with him. so you got. Go ahead. We, we can't just let that hang in the air. I think you've mentioned this before, but did you uh, did you get a few buckets on them? Did you give up a few buckets? Like, what's, what's the um, matchup here like? They were a seventh and eighth grade team with guys dunking and wearing like AAU uniforms, and we were the team that got dunked on. I had my own plays, but it was like, oh. I don't, yeah, that's that was the first time we had a game where somebody dunked. I think maybe sixth or seventh grade was the first game I was in with something like that. And I was like, Oh, this one's over. But yeah, they they had a couple of guys. One guy who ended yeah. up playing like D two as a running back. Another guy who played somewhere else um, in a college. But yeah, um, for content purposes, we'll say that I hit a shot on Lindy. I don't know for sure, but we'll we'll just put it out there and then see if it sticks. I like that. I mean, I can't dispute it, so might as well go with it. Yeah, we have no um, actual technology or footage of this, so I'm going to put in. It's like the witnesses uh, recapturing where it's just like uh, claymation and stuff. It's going to look like that. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to move on from that. Jack White. <laughs> who Who is Jack White for those who don't Jack know? Jack White. Oh, boy. Um, Jack White is an Australian basketball player and um, before, before, before signing with the thunder, that was basically my, the extent yeah. of my knowledge uh, about Jack white. So he played for the nuggets last season. He appear, appeared in 17 games, uh, played in the G league quite a bit, put up, put up good numbers uh, in the G league. 25 um, year old played at Duke. Uh, um, so if you're a big college basketball fan, you probably remember him, played four years at Duke, um, put up, you know, okay numbers there. But like in 2018-19, his junior year, played 21 minutes a game, averaged 4.1 points, 4.7 rebounds, 0.7 assists. In his senior year, he only played in 16 minutes per game, averaged 3.1 points per game. So I take that back. I mean, I yeah, I guess that's solid, but he was he was pretty underwhelming. Um at Duke and and I guess sort of a late bloomer, but listen, if you're looking for analysis dissecting Jack White's game, uh, I hope to bring that to you, but it, it just won't be now because I haven't got it. I haven't got that far into it yet. I looked up Jack White scouting reports and it was like on Draft Express and I clicked on it and it says uh, nothing reported. 
I was like, oh, well, that's not a good sign. And then I looked up and I saw on a Duke like college blog. Here's the exact quote that they have. I um got this copy pasted. Um, not too many. Uh, oh, here's what it says. Um, we never thought that Jack White would make it to the NBA. He's athletic and tough, but we just didn't see it happening. Partially because he was, um, partly because while he was a uh, valuable at Duke, his role was limited. He was not a particularly good ball handler, which is serious limitation. If you're six six in the NBA, his shot while good went into the deep freeze for a while. It almost, uh, it was almost like he had a case of the yips, which is really terrible thing for any athlete to deal with. He also uh, had a serious Achilles injury. Just ringing endorsement from the Duke blogs, which I'm going to guess that Presti knows more than them. But yeah, I that was the only scouting report that I could find. I'm like, oh, well, that um, that's something. That, that's the that's the only thing Presti read. And he was like, that sounds like my kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I I'm trying to figure out the details of Jack White's contract. Um, it was reported as a two year deal. And that it's not uh, a two-way contract. I think it's probably something with a team option on that second year, and not very much money guaranteed in the first year. So this is a situation where it might be, hey, they want to get him into camp, see what he can do, and might not make the team. It, that's that's kind of how I'm how I'm reading this situation. Um, by the way. You big uh, white stripes fan? Um, I I'm not. Jack White, lead singer and lead guitarist of the White Stripes. If you uh, just Google Jack White, the basketball player will not come up. I'm Jack just, White feels I, like I'm a, just saying. So Jack White feels like a name for a high school quarterback in a drama on TV. Here, here's my Jack White, the musical artist story. So he performed at OU. This was. I was gone the, this semester. This was shortly after my time. But the OU Daily, the student newspaper, so like artists and, you know, whatever famous people, they have contract writers where they sign up to do this show. And it's like, here are the things that I need you to provide. Like we need, you know, 60 cases of Miller Lite and a lot of Cheetos or something. Not that that's what I would ask for. I don't even like Cheetos. But anyway, Jack White in his contract writer had a guacamole recipe and of how he wanted it prepared. And the Daily published this because it was public information. Um, And Jack White was very, very, very upset. Again, not the Thunder's Jack White, the more famous Jack White. I wonder if he was more mad about it because it came out or more because his guacamole recipe got leaked. It's like a family yeah. <laughs> recipe. Wow. So this is on Pitchfork. Uh, it was reported that Jack White's booking agency blacklisted the University of Oklahoma after the college paper printed his contract and tour writer, including a detailed guacamole recipe. Quote, we want it chunky. And they had a moratorium on bananas. In quotes, this is a no banana tour. Between this story out of the OU Daily and then um, a couple years ago when they f- uh, filmed the OU practice illegally, just uh, doing a lot of blessings to the OU journalism program that we both graduated from, jokingly, 
obviously, but that that is hilarious. The guacamole thing. Jack White, you uh, you mentioned he played four years at Duke. Listen to this all-star team that you could make with just the guys he played with at Duke. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam, um, uh, Trey Jones, Marvin Bagley, um, Cam Reddish, Grayson Allen, Wendell Carter Jr., Gary Trent Jr., Luke Kennard, Frank Jackson, Harry Giles, and Jason Tatum. That is, uh, yeah, that's pretty stacked. That's pretty stacked. Wow. Just just crazy stuff. But um, uh, yeah, uh, when you said Marvin, when when you said Marvin Bagley, I don't know why my brain went here. Um, but I in my head, I was thinking Marvin Williams and I was like, that's incorrect because Marvin Williams played a long time ago and he also played at UNC, not Duke, but uh, Marvin Bagley did play at Duke and is of more recent vintage. Shout out Marvin Williams. Shout out Marvin Williams is not something I had in my bingo card, but um, we will respect hey, it. Hey, hey. Um, speaking of that, though, speaking of Marvin Williams and Marvin Bagley, both were the number two picks in their respective drafts. Wow, what a transition. Let's, let's get into it. We have the top three <laughs> things that we are going to keep our eyes on for the Thunder in Summer League. Um, just do you want to start us out? maybe with a number two pick or uh, anywhere on the list of your top three things that you are going to keep your eyes peeled for while you're in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I, um, I'll just run through my list if you want to run through yours. So mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren, number one for me, uh, really just want to see him back playing competitive basketball, get his reaction to it, see how he's feeling, um, everything like that. Today at the Oklahoma, I wrote a story making the case for Usman Jang as the most intriguing player of Summer League. Um, j- just to, you know, there's a lot of promising things he did as a rookie, uh, but his rookie season uh, was also disrupted by uh, a couple of injuries. Sometimes he was just kind of floating out there, um, settled for a lot of threes and did not make a lot of threes but had really encouraging numbers around the rim. So I'm looking for him to be more forceful, more comfortable, more confident, all those sorts of things. Um, My third thing, this won't happen until Las Vegas, but uh, I'd like to see Kaysan Wallace play and make his Thunder debut. So that trade's not going to go through until Thursday at the earliest. So he is going, uh, that's why he's not on the Thunder Summer League roster as of now, but he soon will be in Las Vegas. I'm going to go in reverse order. Um, I had who's going to break out from the crowd that we're not expecting a couple of years ago. It was Lou Dort as an undrafted free agent who really popped off, ended up making uh, a name for himself in summer league. And that led to some regular season success and where he is now. Last year, Eugene Omarui looked really good. So maybe it's a guy like yeah. KJ Williams, Jamias Ramsey, Jaden Shackelford, because those guys, as much as we're talking about Chet, J-Dub, Oos, these guys are going to get the brunt of the minutes just because um, there's less invested in them and the Thunder are trying to figure out what they have. Yeah, and with those guys, um, Aaron Wiggins, by the way, was another one of those guys two yeah. years ago who, you know, second round p- pick and really popped um, in Summer League. But, you know, obviously they were under Thunder contracts. I mean, you know, the majority of the roster is not. I mean, you mentioned, you know, 
KJ Williams, Jaden Shackelford. Shackelford played with the blue last year. Jamias Ramsey put up big numbers with the blue last year. So these are two guys the Thunder's quite familiar with. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to steal your segment, but Zaire Smith, I think, is one of the most intriguing guys because played at Texas Tech, high pick, just did not work out at all in the NBA. I think played two seasons. Uh, don't know what he's been doing since then, but hoping to talk to Zaire Smith for a story. Zaire Smith being on this roster is like going to the movies and then you're just like randomly watching it in this random supporting character in the background. You're like, is that like David Spade? Who is that? Like, I, I recognize that. Who is that? Uh, you're like, that's Zaire Smith. What? He's still out here. But yeah, hopefully that works out for him. Um, second, I had something similar to you with Oos, and that's just which returning Thunder player is going to take the biggest leap. And I think Oos is a guy who we both have penciled in. And I wrote about this earlier for Thunder's intentions. But like, I don't even care if he averages like a charge a game. I just want to see him play with more physicality. I want to see him go out there and just hit guys and play with a little bit more force. Last year, at times, it looked like he was just kind of dodging guys and trying to avoid contact. And I get that being a younger player coming over, playing against grown men who have been weight training for years. But physicality would be the number one thing I want to see for Moose. Yeah, that that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, I he would be like the most encouraging guy to see a leap from. Now, summer league is such a small sample. You you always have to have that in the back of your mind. Uh, Trey Mann and and Jeremiah Robinson Earl are the old men on this Thunder summer league team, both uh, entering their third seasons. Listen, it would be a better sign than not. For Trey Mann to have a really good summer league and to put up big numbers, but there's really like nothing Trey like Trey Mann should be good out there against this competition. He like should shoot the ball well. He should get to his spots. Like there's really nothing Trey Mann could do that would make me like kind of change how I feel about him going into the season. Just because last year we were so high on him, um, kind of had a disappointing sophomore season. Um, this year, I'm kind of just in wait and see mode with, with Trey Man. I'm not about to make any declarations about, you know, if he struggles in summer league. Okay, yeah, not a great sign, but whatever. It's summer league. If he's great, well, we, we we've seen this before. Just kind of hold off just a little bit. And then my last thing is just Chet. Obviously, what is he going to look like in his first game back from injury? I'm less concerned with like the actual basketball stuff. And more with how does he move and does he play with the same level of physicality he did before the injury? Because you've seen guys like Russell Westbrook come back from his MCL and just attack it like nothing happened. And you have guys on the other end of the spectrum with things like Derek Rose, who had a little bit more um, cold feet mindset to getting back on the floor after his injury. Chet was a guy before this who played with a lot of physicality and was sort of fearless out there just attacking guys. And I wonder what he looks like, just his confidence in his body in the first game back out. You excited about those 13 pounds he put on? I I was more excited about everybody's reaction to it. Like they don't understand that it's probably really hard for a guy uh, built the way he is to put on 13 pounds. Everybody it's like, yeah, I did that at Thanksgiving and stuff like that. But I was I was excited that progress yeah. is progress. Yeah, I'm 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 joking about it because this is mm -hmm. what we do in the this summer is like talk about how bodies have transformed. It is encouraging though. I think that he did um put on some weight. Um 
now like we'll see if like it's hard to keep keep that on over the over the course of a season but um yeah who knows i'm i i always this one i guess i i will trust the the scale on this but i'm never one of those guys where it's like wow you look look like you put on a lot of muscle over the off season i i'm always just looking like yeah, you kind of look the same to me, but maybe I'm just not as observant as I need to need to be. So uh, I won't be one of those guys that says so and so looks like they got a lot stronger this offseason. And then I almost forgot about this, but um, did you see Josh Giddy's scouting report on Jack White? He actually had one. He just replied to somebody. Uh, uh, yeah, they asked. Um, he's good. Yeah, he's good. That was a full scouting report from Josh. That's better than that Duke scouting report. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little bit more supportive. We have the two ends of the spectrum with that, but um, man, we we decided to record this a day early. I didn't address this coming up, uh, off the top when we first did our intro, and I apologize for that. But um, wanted to record on Monday the third rather than July fourth with um Joe and everyone uh, busy that day. A lot of people celebrating with family. Joe's going to be doing things in Salt Lake, hopefully watching some fireworks. But um, around seven years ago was one of the more important days in Thunder history and NBA history, July 4, 2016. Kevin Durant left the Thunder for the Warriors. Many people in OKC and around the NBA blame the 2016 cap spike as the reason for this league-changing event that allowed the 73-win team to add the second-best player in the world via free agency. That same cap spike, though, Joe, led to some of the worst contracts in recent memory. Our job here is to draft the three worst contracts that were signed in the summer of 2016. Are you ready? I like this job. This is someone. Someone has to do it. We're going to do it. Uh, not to give people P, uh, uh, PTSD. We we all know. Uh, we all know the July Fourth Kevin Kevin Durant day. I was uh, just just um, a personal anecdote. I was in Eugene, Oregon. I was interning at the Oregonian in Portland that summer, but I was down in Eugene. Um, Coincidentally enough, with Andrew Greif, who now covers the Clippers for the LA Times, but he was uh, working in Portland um, at the time, so uh, now both in the NBA, which is cool. Um, I was covering the Olympic track and field trials uh, when that all went down, and it was a wild, wild time. So, yeah, I wish I had something that related it more, but um, 2016, let's do this. Are you ready? You can go first here. I'll give you the first selection on the board. Worst contract signed during the cap spike offseason in 2016. Okay. Other than Kevin Durant, who is not the worst contract. But I'd say that was a good contract, one. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it was the best. I'm just saying, when you think about the summer of 2016, I think about two guys. On the high end, I think about Kevin Durant. And on the low end, I think about Timofey Mozgov. I think Mozgov's name is synonymous with the summer of 2016 uh, and also getting dunked on by by Blake Griffin. But uh, I have four years. I saw 64 and 65 million, but let's say four years, 65 million to make it even worse um, than what it sounds. So he played in two seasons after that and was a old school big man who and the NBA was already transforming and that was just a terrible contract. Yeah, a seven foot one, two seventy five pound center known for his rebounding, averaged seven points and five rebounds per game in two years with the Lakers. 
he was moved in one year. It looks like he was moved the very next off season for D- uh, with alongside D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez and the 27th overall pick that turned into Kyle Kuzma. That worked out. But yeah, if getting Mozgov wasn't a phrase, wasn't bad enough for getting dunked on his contract definitely looks really bad. But um, my number one pick Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons that, that that was in the running for me. Ninety four point eight million over four years over the four years of that contract. Parsons played in a total of one hundred games. So he basically got paid the equivalent of yeah, nine hundred and eighty four thousand yeah. dollars per game. Yeah, um, yeah, that one aged that one aged really poorly. I was uh, I was flipping between Mozgov and Chandler Parsons. Um who I was going to go with for the for the number one pick ended up going Mozgov, but a great pick in Parsons. Great <laughs> value there uh, with the number two pick. I have one more note on him. He scored 695 points across those 100 games in four seasons. Basically, his contract ended up yielding Parsons an insane $141,582.73 per point scored. Pretty efficient. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that Shea's losing money the way he's doing it. He's yeah. scoring way too much. Bang for your buck. Yeah. Chandler Parsons, why would I do more whenever I can do less? But just incredible. And then um I remember something where he said a couple of years ago something about the Blazers need to blowing up or whatever and they need to go tank to be in the lottery. And uh CJ McCollum replied, We hit the lottery by not signing you. Yikes. Yikes. What is your number two pick? uh, Hopefully we don't have a cringe moment like that again. (laughs) Wait, is this a snake draft? Do you get to draft again? Uh, I can go if you'd like. We'll we'll do snake draft. Yeah, okay. Hassan Whiteside. Count Blockula. Mentioned him earlier as a little bit of a a tease, some foreshadowing. The guy who went went viral for his snatch blocks in the heat after being found playing at the Y after bouncing around for some different D-League teams at the time. Went on to have a great 2015-16 season where he averaged roughly 14 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, and four blocks a game. And then the next offseason, he inked a four-year $98 million deal, paying him in the first year of that deal $22 million annually, which made him the 20th highest paid player in the NBA ahead of guys like Mark Gasol, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson, and John Wall in 2016. Hassan Hassan Whiteside is um in the Hall of Fame of good stats, uh, empty stat, <laughs> empty calories, mm-hmm. uh, guys. I, I mean, up there with uh, Andre Drummond, I, I would say. Like, I mean, Whiteside, you'll watch him play a lot of like twenty-two rebounds by the second quarter, and but he tries to block everything. He's totally out of position when he doesn't get the block. So um, good for her, Hassan Whiteside for for making all that coin. But um, yeah, that was that was a bad one. That was a very very bad one. So who is your second pick here? As we are going in a snake draft. Yeah, does a snake draft even make sense for two people? I guess it does, but uh, my 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 brain is wandering. Anyway, the fourth overall pick in this draft, my second pick, I'm going to go with Lou Dang, and this one is kind of sad because uh, Dang did did suffer an injury, and the Lakers who signed him to a do 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 uh, Dang four year seventy two million is what I have it as. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so they signed him to that. He plays in 56 games that next season, averages 7.6 points per game, shoots 39% from three. We all know Luol Deng was a, a defense first player, but that's awful. Um, only plays in one game the next season. 2018-19 ends up being uh, the last year of his career. He plays 22 memorable games for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I uh, never forget where I where I was watching those games, but... Yeah, four years, $72 million for an aging Luol Deng was a very bad contract. The Minnesota Timber Bulls, when they had um, Jimmy Butler, Luol Deng, Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose. But yeah, that, that was a bad contract. Yeah. He instantly became a top 35 um, contract just annually, uh, just in terms of revenue. But yeah, he was bought out and stretched after only two seasons with the Lakers. He finally came off the books, Joe, a year ago around today. So that means that Dang had his um he was playing after Kobe's last season. So his contract lasted through uh, after Kobe's last season, Brandon Ingram's rookie season, Lonzo Ball's rookie season, Lon- uh, LeBron joining the Lakers, Anthony Davis being traded to the Lakers, a full pandemic, the Lakers ringing a bubble in the bubble and the Lakers trading for Russell Westbrook. All that happened in the time span before well Dang's uh, contract came off the books for the Lakers. The the man from Sudan and Dangerous. Those Jim, are his nicknames. Well, I think this goes back to if we are doing snake draft, you get the fifth pick here. All right. Fifth pick for my third guy. I'm down between two players. I'm going to pick Alan Crabb, who signed a four-year $75 million contract. Um, I feel like Alan Crabb's NBA career is, is most known for signing said contract. Um, but you know what? In Alan Crabb's defense, um, for that next season in, in Portland, playing 79 games, shot 44% from three-point range, shot 38% from three the, the next couple of years. So he did do some things. Um, but he was he was basically done by the 2019-2020 uh, season. So, and, and he's still just 31 years old. So uh, Alan Crabb just kind of had a, a very short NBA career after signing that contract. That's a good value pick there. He, he played a lot, but it was instantly... That was one of those signings that we all knew at the time. It's like, this is not going to work. Whenever they signed him for yeah. all that money, I think with... Um, Portland after the Nets try to get him and the Nets ended up getting him later even on that contract that looked like bad money so who knows but my last pick I think this is great value Bismack Biombo. after a nice year for the Raptors Biombo signed a new deal with the Orlando Magic 70 million over four years Biombo basically averaged seven and seven in two years for the Magic before uh, being sent to the Hornets this is another deal that was like destined to fail as soon as we saw it for whatever reason, the Magic went out and got as many power forwards as possible. They had Aaron Gordon on the roster, uh, Nikola Vucevic, uh, Jeff Green, and then they made a draft night trade for Serge Ibaka that helped the Thunder get Demonis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. After all that, they said, you know what? We have $70 million. We need to go get Bismack Biombo." right after that. And just, of course, went horribly wrong for them. That's a good pick. I will say though, I think I would have gone with another. We're we're done, right? Aren't yeah. we done? 
Yeah, we have a, we we can give some shout outs for some uh, honorable mentions. No, you're not you're in, not giving away your pick here. <laughs> in uh in Biombo's defense, at least he's still playing. Another center that that offseason signed a four year, sixty four million dollar deal. Jan Mahimni, uh, that aged pretty poorly as well. Not quite the uh, not quite the salary though. Uh, honorable mention. Joachim Noah mm-hmm. signed a four-year, seventy-two million. Listen, like Noah is better than pretty much all these players were were listing, but at that point in his career, he was not, and that just was a horrible contract. Uh, Solomon Hill, four years, fifty-four million that summer. Um, John Luer was a name I totally forgot about until doing this exercise, uh, but he signed a four-year, forty-two million dollar. Uh, contract. I think he got hurt and played again, but um, I just wanted to say John Luer's name. I think his nickname on basketball reference is like the tackle box or something crazy like that. But yeah, for honorable mentions, um, I also had Tyler Johnson. Is that correct? With the, the tackle box? Is that on there? Yes, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Tyler Johnson. Uh, I'm, I'm... Oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, Tyler Johnson, four oh, years, sorry. fifty it's not million. On here. Do, do you? Uh... I guess I'm gonna have to add it. I don't know. I thought he had something like that, but um, yeah, four years, fifty million for Tyler Johnson. The Nets offered him, and the Heat later matched. Uh, Tyler Johnson famously was quoted as saying he threw up a couple times after he heard the contract offer. Oh boy, that should have been a sign. If it made him sick, it uh, it uh, should have made. It was the Heat, right, that signed mm-hmm. him to that? Yeah, the Nets signed it initially, yeah. and then the Heat matched it. And then um, Ryan Anderson was another deal yeah. that I had that was bad. Tyler Johnson and Ryan Anderson ended up getting traded for each other, but Ryan Anderson signs a, a deal four years, $80 million. Um, In the last year of his deal, let's see here, he gets traded for Wayne Ellington and Tyler Johnson in a salary dump. Ryan Anderson played a combined 12 more games across the uh, last two years of his contract before retiring. Man, that was quite a summer. Yeah, and we're just... They cashed in. Yes. So I wonder, we're going to revisit this. I'm setting an alarm for... um, 2030 and we're going to come back to all the 2023 free agency signings and uh draft the worst ones my first pick um i'll just say it seven years in the in advance at dylan brooks that's that's who i have number one that's interesting uh dylan brooks might (laughs) might be the answer uh i i really like fred van vliet but i just don't like the situation and who knows how that's going to, to age but hey the Rockets had money to spend also the Joe Ingles one feels like that could uh yeah it, it's not like long term but it's like uh, I don't know about that it just seems super weird but Fred Van anyway, Vliet I made, look forward to that exercise yeah Fred Van Vliet made me laugh because I said he's making like 43 million dollars a year and he shoots a lower field goal percentage than that shoots like 42 percent or something like that something crazy but the, the word down with all this Sorry. And then, um, yeah, Kyrie, of course, the the Mavericks win the sweepstakes fighting against nobody else and get to pay Kyrie like thirty five million dollars annually. But um, the Thunder, on the other end, they get their own former Australian guy in Jack White. So 
I don't. He's not going to play in summer league, is he? Jack White is not going to play in summer league unless something has changed. Well, do you have any uh, last takes that you want to get out there for tonight um, for uh, Chet's return game before we get out of here? Yeah, not really takes, but um, I'm like I said here in Salt Lake. Be uh, talking to Chet after the game. We'll have a story on that. We'll have takeaways from the game um, and all sorts of coverage from Salt Lake League. So follow along. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Joe, for coming on with me. Hope you enjoy the weather in Salt Lake City. Uh, Enjoy the games and then um, talk to you again later, whenever that is. But uh, thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at ThunderBudPod on Twitter. And we'll be back again for more Thunder Talk on Friday.